Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast. This is Mark Uesa. And this is Daniel Winter. We're two fans of board games, video games, and much more. Awesome. How are you doing, Daniel? Good, good. It's been a pretty easygoing Sunday here. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful summer day in Vancouver. Uh, of course, that's where the two of us are based out of. Since this is our first episode, what do you think? Should we tell the listeners a little bit about our, ourselves? Sure, it sounds like a good start. How about you go, Daniel? Okay, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Daniel Winter. Some of you may know me from... Uh, Content creator is probably a strong word, but I uh, I, I make uh, some board game content with uh, pairing board games with food under the name Board Game Feast. Pretty active on Twitter and Instagram and around those parts, uh, but that's largely a, something that's popped up in the last year or so during the lockdown. Uh, prior to that, I've been I've been gaming for ten years or so on and off as i've uh, moved around the the world and around the city <laughs> that my interest in gaming has sort of come and gone but uh i've, I've always come back to it and uh it's a great chance to discuss that in some more detail and uh, i'm mark usa some of you might know me from another podcast that i run called test coast games a podcast about game design um, activity designers and events on the west coast and I also created a podcast about text adventure games called the Let's Play Podcast. That's still online if you want to check that out as well. I've been gaming for a long time. Um, I'm an 80s and 90s kid. So, you know, playing first edition Magic the Gathering, you know, Risk and Axis and Allies in elementary school and uh, junior high, playing Shadowrun. Uh, it's only been, I guess, since the 2000s when I got into board games. And of course, a lifelong fan of video games, both PC and console. And um, that's actually a good place to talk about the general concept of the show. So Daniel, of course, this is brand new. We're roughing (laughs) it out. So the general concept, so it's like a book club for games, all kinds of games. A little bit of everything. (laughs) Exactly. And and that's what I love about the stuff that you cover. Uh, I follow you on Twitter. We're part of the same board game group as well. I love that you are an avid PC gamer, console gamer, board gamer, both physical, digital. We play regularly on Board Game Arena. We both have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is a fantastic <laughs> source of games. And it just seems like, you know, we're all we're all playing a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've always thought of myself as something of a, a geek of all trades, uh, never fully committing to one or another just uh foraging grazing a little bit of every type of, of geekery out there uh video games board games not so much role-playing games i, I if, if i i've dabbled <laughs> put it that way but uh yeah i i i love experiencing all the types of games that are out there to enjoy i would say right now probably board games are the the thing i'm most into like i've played larps in the past love escape rooms there's so much cool stuff in the world of games so um i was just hoping that you and i and hopefully down the road we can get some friends to come on and we can chat about all these games that we're already playing anyway Mm -hmm. it's an exciting time to be a gamer there's uh i mean the walls dividing those types of games are really coming down with digital uh app companions to board games and video games are becoming more like board games and uh it's really all coming together in one big melting pot right yeah like digital board game apps are getting so good now there's so many of them it seems like there's one for all the big titles that come out 
board game arena is actually uh, platforms like that, Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia, even publishers of the physical games are using those as promotional engines. Yeah, that's been a, a great one. That's been uh, a big use to me. There are some games that I've been reluctant to Kickstarter, but on trying them, have have gone and and, and gone all in. <laughs> so it's it's it works for both parties. You know, a lot of podcasts are about the hotness, brand new stuff, cutting edge news, and inside <laughs> information. I don't know if you agree, Daniel, but I don't think our show is going to be anything like that. No. no. Um, <laughs> Sure, I love playing a new game when it comes out on Board Game Arena, but ah, there's so many good classic games that I want to play as well. Maybe you played it in the past and you're going to teach it to me, or maybe I played it in the past and I could introduce it to you. Maybe we'll have a guest show us about their game. I love all sorts of games. So Absolutely. new is great, old school is great. Yeah, there's, there's a lot out there that uh, there's, there's more games out there than that neither of us have ever played. By the way, uh, it doesn't have to be the the current hot ones there's plenty of old stuff out there too uh that are more easily accessible that are cheaper uh that that our friends are passionate about and can bring that passion to us yeah absolutely Uh, and thankfully you're you're quite famous uh in social media if i may (laughs) say so you got a lot of good contacts so yeah hopefully we're gonna have some cool people come on board in future episodes as well absolutely hopefully we're gonna do our best to have like a a list of games that definitely you and I have some sort of interest in playing. Mm-hmm. If we can be super organized, we're going to try and release that list out to you folks, the listeners, in advance. So maybe you can try out the game and it'll be a new experience for all of us. Yeah, so as we said, it's something of a book club format. Uh, it'd be great to have people play along and compare their experiences, uh, whether we can find some place for other people to discuss along with us in the future that might, could be fun but uh otherwise just to have some sense of what you're going into each episode we're hoping to announce that the previous uh the previous episode yeah we're going to do that from uh the first episode onward we're going to announce a game we're going to go into depth on that one mm-hmm. and i think we i know that we said our plan is to alternate between board games and video games uh at this point at least fairly even coverage and, and it obviously is a very different uh, type of, of way you cover. Like the, the time it takes to play a board game is quite different to a video game. So we won't necessarily be playing each game, each board game 10 times or finishing each video game, but just enough to, to come in with some thoughts and impressions and compare with everyone. I think that's about right. That's realistic. I do have that big pile of shame that I, I need a little <laughs> kick in the pants to get on. So uh, yeah, hopefully this uh, podcast is going to help with that as well. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, place to wrap up the first segment, and then we can talk about the the main uh, topic. Excellent. And we're back. We're going to jump into the main segment of our episode today, the Game Club. And today's featured game, uh, the first up on our list, is going to be The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Uh, released last year, 2020, by Czech Games Edition, designed by Elwin and Min. It's a game for one to four players, and it suggests 30 to 120 minutes. That's a, a big stretch there. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Well, I haven't played solo, but I think I know someone who has. 
Yes, yes, we'll get to that. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll describe a little bit about the, some of the mechanisms.、Uh, we're not going to go full length into uh, uh, how to play.、Uh, this is not the place for that. But、um, just in case you're curious, if you know these terms, this is、uh, a deck building card game worker placement hybrid. And I guess we haven't really talked about this, Daniel, but what do you think about, you know, jargon? <laughs> like, we should, we should probably explain ourselves, right? Yeah, like, I've, I've, I'd like to think that we're going to be somewhat accessible in this podcast、yeah. in how we are approaching games and. Making sure everyone knows that we're all on the same page here. So, when we came, that was, that was a big list of words just there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we should explain as we go. And, you know, over time, we'll probably cover like the general、um, genres and mechanisms enough. But、uh, I'm going to explain deck building if that's okay. Go ahead. Typically, in a deck building game, you start with a common pool of cards, you shuffle them, you draw a hand of them, and you play them out. And over the course of multiple turns and rounds, You acquire new cards. The new cards are generally more powerful than the old ones. And then the new cards and the old cards get shuffled together. You can do more cool things. You get more powerful over time. And it's really fun. And this game utilizes deck building. Yeah. So, worker placement games generally involve where each player will have a, an assigned number of worker meeple tokens. And there'll be dedicated spaces where each of those can go on the board. Usually, that's each, all players are competing over those spaces and taking turns putting them into those,、uh, putting the workers into the, into the placement spots to, to take particular actions. And I think the key there is that like, you're, you're blocking other people from taking yes, those、yeah. opportunities. Sometimes they call it、um, action drafting. Yeah, it's an interesting way of.、Uh, Having player interaction with you're not directly attacking each other, but you are quite directly getting in, in each other's way. So it's, it's, it's a good compromise in the, in the level of player interaction, I've found. Right. And I think this game has a pretty good balance of that.、Uh, so we both played this recently. Actually, I think we're playing another game of it right now. It's your turn right now, Mark. <laughs> right, right. You want to take a breather? So,、um, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, let, let me just make, take my turn over here.、Um, no,、uh, how we're playing it is on BGA or、uh, boardgamearena.com. So the full game has been digitized. You can play it there、uh, and you can play it.、Um, the awesome thing about that platform is you can play it in real time or asynchronously, which means、um, you can play your turns whenever you submit your turn and then the other players get notified. They can turn, take their turn whenever. So, we played this a week or two ago in real time、uh, with a couple of our friends. And as I recall, I think, <laughs> I think you, took the, you took the cup I there, Dan.、So. <laughs> I think you won. Do you play this game a lot?、Uh, I've played it half a dozen times now, Most, mostly async. Only once or twice it's been real time. But I have been playing a few turn based games with、uh, various groups、uh, and, and various play accounts. And I've also been playing it a lot solo. This has a、uh, quite an interesting solo mode out of the box.、Uh, there is, you can just play a standalone game with、uh, tiles simulating、uh, an AI player,、uh, as if it were another player taking actions and it's just randomizing what those actions are.、Uh, but as of a week or two ago, there is a solo campaign with. Missions that sort of carry across one to the next. They change up the basic rules. They 
add um, some cards or abilities may cross over from one mission to the next. And there's quite a bit of narrative and uh, flavor text in there. It's uh, quite interesting so far. Yeah, that's really cool to see, uh, to hear. That's an aspect of the game I haven't really tapped into at all. Um, I've only been playing um, games uh, asynchronously or, or, or online with uh, other people I know. Uh, so it's cool that that game has that um, uh, solo that they just put out there. It's like a DLC. Totally, yeah. It's, yeah, that's super cool. It's a free free app. It's, it's all the uh, the the campaign aspect is all run by. It's not, it's not an app. I guess it's a browser uh, application that it runs through there. So it runs the AI, uh, delivers all the, the setup, and tracks the the points from game to game. Uh, and all was all handled for you. Right, and and I realized that we haven't really talked about um, you know what the game like thematically what you're doing in the game. Um, so it's competitive. Everyone's sort of like an explorer, and uh, you you're going on expeditions into jungles and far flung places of the world, along the lines of uh, Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider or the Uncharted video games. It's very much one of those great adventures in the age of the. Uh, serialized movies of the 1920s and 30s although it's a bit timeless uh, it looks like in its artwork it you know, has that very much indiana jones type feel like uh, we talked about with worker placement you're not really attacking each other there's nothing like that you're not holding up a gun to the other player uh, like uh, uh, mr jones we meet again that sort of thing <laughs> Um, it's more like uh, you know you you cut the guy off and raid that tomb before they can get to it sort of thing it's the, uh, the scene in The Mummy comes to mind where you're on the wrong side of the river, but we have all the horses. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, com- competitive archaeology. It's quite an interesting theme because, I mean, I, I believe it or not, I actually have a degree in archaeology. Uh, and in the real world, it's nothing as competitive as this game makes it out. So that's actually a really good point is, you know, how do you feel as a person that has a connection to archaeology? How do you feel about the sort of tomb raiding um artifact pilfering theme it, it's sort of a little bit out of style right now isn't it yeah it does feel a little dated i mean it, it's certainly presented very nicely it's uh, beautiful artwork and components and it, it's quite stunning to look at and with all the monsters and the the artifacts and everything but the way the, in terms of how that's implemented into the theme it's a little uncomfortable that you're just basically raiding this <laughs> this island for goods and because, I get it partly because you're just competing. You're not really taking your time. It's just get in, get out before the others get there. This theme's kind of like zombies is, is not really showing any signs of, of going away. Um, but I think people are getting a little bit more sensitive to it that, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to, to take, uh, take the precious artifacts from another culture that's not your own. Yeah, uh, some people have in, pointed out that it's yeah. given, it, given it a bit of a wave since it's it's a fictional island and a fictional culture. Though I believe it is actually set in the real world. The story did mention the uh, Pacific Ocean, so it's, it does in theory exist. It's just a yet to be discovered uh, civilization. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, there's also that like subgenre of that um, called uh, I don't know what it's called. Like it's sort of like the lost underground. Civilization. I'm just looking on BGG on BoardGameGeek.com at a photo of a, a tile that has a a, a freaking dinosaur on it. <laughs> Journey to the so, center of the earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Journey to the center of the earth. Those types of movies slash books. Um, so yeah, it's it's sort of that like fantastical world theme. So I guess that's how they get away with it. Yeah, this game is pretty fun. I know that you've been playing a lot. I've actually been playing it a lot. 
I'm just going to go check, see how many games I have going on of Arnak on Board Game Arena. I have one, two, three, four, five, six games of Arnak going on oh, wow. simultaneously. Who do you play these games with? <laughs> uh, just randos. Okay. People that are my Board Game Arena friends. But yeah, I think it totally works asynchronously. What about you? Yeah, I, I, that's mostly what I've been playing. Uh, and it, it's the, the turns, each turn isn't particularly involved. It's pretty easy to catch up on each round, basically, seeing what everyone else has done in the, in the previous round. So it's pretty easy to catch up on that and take your turn. And there's quite a large degree of improvisation in this game, which uh, fits the, the async model, I think. Yeah, for sure. I'm making you know great use of that notes taking feature of the of boardgamearena.com. Uh, by the way, if you haven't checked it out and you enjoy board games, uh, you you got to get on there. Um, lots of the games that are on there are free, and uh, there's a small fee to pay some premium games. I don't even know if this title is premium. That's a good question. <laughs> I should probably check that. But uh, the price is worth it, in, in in my opinion. I know we promised we weren't going to talk about how to play the game, but I just want to like say i guess what i like about it mm-hmm. go ahead i mean i'm playing six games at a time i do enjoy this game uh i know that there has been like some mixed reception to the game but you know it's highly rated uh you were saying it's been nominated for some awards right for the kennisfield is yards i believe which is a pretty i mean that's as bad as prestigious as it gets <laughs> right yeah that's the german um what, what what is it advanced game of the year or yeah for the advanced players so it is a competition, but it's sort of a competition about getting to the juicy goods before they do, sort of sort of reading their actions and trying to um, sneak ahead of them. The sort of the main activity of the game is that you're acquiring resources, funds, artifacts, edge your way up these sort of two tracks. One of them is called research, and you're basically like converting some of these resources into advancements. So you might gain these assistance, or you might gain additional resources. But every time you do one of these conversions, you move up this uh, track, and you gain more and more victory points. And that one is like, it's pretty dry. It's just like a, you know, exchange system. Yeah, it's a fairly random progression of points. The resources that are required as you go is a pretty strange mix. It's not like there's a a linear progression of using one resource to the next. It's sort of just a random jumble of resources as you go up. (laughs) Yeah, it's very. I feel like it's very much like making you kind of jump through these hoops. Uh, because there's sort of these branching paths, you have to like churn through a fairly wide variety of resources mm-hmm. uh, to to advance up these tracks. And I think the one sort of fun competitive edge to that part of the game is that there are these sort of resource uh, tiles that are uh, one and done sort of things that you know, a player can snatch up, you know, deny another player. So if you see, you know, your competitor, the the one you're competing with for first place, edging closer to that tier, you kind of want to cut them off and get there before them or find a cool way to do that. Yeah, it's not a huge bonus, but it's a nice little incentive to be be the first there and and push you along, keep the momentum going. Right. And then and then the other track that you're sort of going up is is, you know, how you get how you generally get those resources is kind of going on these expeditions. Uh, you start off at these like very simple uh, spaces where you can get very simple resources. Then there's a second tier, which requires you to put a bunch more resources in. And you may have to fight against these um, guardians, which are like threats, right? I don't think uh, the game presents it as that you're 
overcoming the Guardians. You're not defeating them. They're, they're, still, they're fine. They're, I think the, the story, the solo story actually covers some of that, that they actually help you out oh, nice. and, and you're essentially befriending them like Pokemon or something. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I had no idea. I thought you were just like battling giant ants or dinosaurs, but that's actually kind of cool. So you like outthink them or outrun them or something? I, you basically just give them offerings and then they'll help you for a bit. <laughs> it, it really is befriending them. <laughs> Yeah, so that that part of it is cool because there's a, a sense of risk, right? You don't know what the guardian is going to be um, uh, heading into the space. Uh, they're face down, and then when you arrive, you gain a small bonus of resources, and then you flip up this guardian. Uh, it's hidden to you, and then you see sort of like a, another resource cost that you have to pay, but it's it's sort of unknown. So there's a bit of risk and reward there. Yeah, I mean you don't have to pay it either. You can. If you don't pay, if you don't overcome the guardian, there is a penalty of a a, a fear card they call that, that give you negative points at the end of the game. But that's not uh, it's not mandatory to overcome them. You can in fact build that as part of your strategy to deliberately leave them there for someone else to deal with. And then the the final tier is just sort of a more expensive version of those expeditions. Um, uh, you actually had a really good point you made the other day about you know why you prefer to go to like the, the the third tier of expeditions yeah well, basically you still have to, you have to pay more resources to get there but the the action spaces give you more rewards but the guardians are the same level so there's like there's two tiers of exploration spaces uh that you can potentially go to but there's only one type of, of guardian so the risk there is 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 the, the reward is greater but the risk is the same so it's a slightly better benefit there if you can uh, afford it yeah it, it, that is part of the challenge is like being able to afford the resources at the right time and being able to jump through the the hoops in the right sequence to get there especially when so many of the ways of gaining resources in this game are a little random especially early on the game when you're exploring a lot you don't know what that tile is going to give you you're going to draw a random tile with that, that presents you a, 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 a smattering of resources, but that's going to be random. The guardian that comes up is going to require a random number of resources, so you don't, it's a little hard to plan, especially early on. Uh, but once once you have explored that space in future actions, anyone can go there and get the same resources. So it becomes a little more predictable as you go. Yeah, that's right. That's a cool aspect of the that um, sort of expedition side is you know so your actions can potentially benefit others, or others can benefit you. So. I think that's a kind of a cool way for the game to sort of unfurl itself like an onion over the course of the game. I like that. Yeah, you're literally exploring the board as, as it progresses. And it's quite it's not, it's not a super long game. It's only, what, five rounds? Five? There's like sort of six rows. Yeah, I think it is five rounds. That sounds right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Not a long game. I mean, I've only played it virtually, but it sort of feels like at a fairly rushed pace sometime, like, Maybe in a future expansion, they might even add a new round or something like that. That'll... Yeah, that's one of my main uh, criticisms of the, of the game, to be honest, is that you're already combining two big mechanics of so the worker placement and the deck building. And considering right. you're, you're spreading the mechanism across those two t- types of, of, of play, and it's only five rounds, you don't really have a lot of depth to either of those. I feel like, in a sense, it's a little bit less than some of its parts so you don't get a lot yeah. of depth to the, to the worker placement or much depth to the deck building because it's just not that long right. that's the big complaint that i've heard leveled at this game you know it's nice it's pleasant it works but it doesn't seem that deep that toothy i tend to agree with that 
It's a little bit less meaty than it could be. But that said, I think that was a conscious choice on the designer's part. (laughs) They make complex games. So uh, I know that they could have dragged this out and made this, you know, seven rounds or whatever. But I think they went purposely for this sort of sense of depth and length. Speaking of that, do you think that this is a complex game? It can be, actually. I mean, I was about to say that it's it's quite accessible in terms of not being a super long game and except each of those mechanics not being particularly in-depth. It's sort of just a surface level of, of each of those two mechanics, the worker placement and the deck building. But at the same time, there is quite a, a lot to keep in mind in terms of every action you take requires multiple resources. So to explore, you have to spend compasses and put a worker down and play a card for the movement actions. So there's like balancing three different requirements for each space and you might be getting three different rewards for that space. So there's quite a bit to keep in mind there. Right, for sure. It's a whole lot of choices along the way of branching paths that you could take and, you know, being efficient in the in the courses that you take to get there. Um, yeah, I would say that it, it is a complex game or on the more complex side. You know, if I was teaching this to my friends or my family members, I would want to make sure that they had played a simpler deck building game uh, first or just a worker placement game previous before sort of showing them how it's been sort of dovetailed together here. Yeah, Yeah. the way they combine it wouldn't necessarily come naturally, I don't think. Yeah, but you know what? For me, I like it. It's hitting hitting a right note for me. And, you know, I've played it probably 20 times digitally and uh yeah i'm not really slowing down so i'm i'm enjoying playing it yeah i mean i've uh i, I have the solo version for what it's worth uh but if, sorry i've had the physical edition but i've only been playing it solo uh so i'm not really looking forward to once the uh, lockdown's over to trying it in person because the, the, one of the big pluses about this game is just the presentation the artwork it's it's just so colorful and vibrant the components are, are, are lovely so uh, i really like want to try it in person and see how it feels yeah, yeah, I gotta agree. The artwork is fantastic. The uh, you know, from what I can tell, from the digital. Yeah, I mean the components are all really like, I mean the plastic pieces, but they're all like molded. So the arrowheads are little like see-through plastic arrowheads. The, the there's uh, the, the crystalline jewels uh, are quite nice, and uh, the stone tablets. I thought I've seen a lot of people is um, there's plain white plastic tablets, but they are carved. Like the the runes are carved into the tablets. Uh, which mm. is this asking to be painted with nice wash to make them look a little aged. So I think that's on my on my to-do list in the near future. Oh, nice. That's that's cool for customization. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some games that compare to this, mm-hmm. either thematically or like mechanically, just to, you know, so, sort of compare it if other people have played those games before. Yeah, well, strangely enough, for a, a game that sort of combines these mechanics in a, in, a, in a unique way, the hybrid of deck building and, and worker placement. It was actually one of three games that came out around the same time that all worked with that same hybrid. Uh, the main one I'm familiar with is Dune Imperium, uh, which also right. came out last year. One of It's a couple of different Dune uh, board games based in that Dune universe, but this is uh, one that uses similar mechanics. Uh, I've played that one a couple of times online, and it didn't grab me, to be honest. It's, a, it's much more player interaction heavy so directly attacking each other in actual combat (laughs) i played that one time i enjoyed it i would i feel like it's a probably around the same mechanical complexity and depth Mm -hmm. as as this game but you're right it is much more um literally fighting in these battles these pitched battles um, cutting each other off and i would say it's about as successful in in combining those mechanisms deck building and um worker placement 
it's it's light could have been had more depth but I imagine in the case of both those games that expansions are going to uh, add that extra game length and complexity. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think they're both right for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and the one game that, that I thought of instantly uh, in comparison was Quest for El Dorado, which is exactly the same theme. It's that sort of um, uh, gallivanting expeditions around the, the world, tomb raiding sort of thing. Uh, it's by Reiner Knizia, his legendary game designer. Uh, but it's actually really uh, fast and easy to teach and play. It's literally a race to get to the temple or something like that. Uh, the, the theme doesn't matter. It's just you're, you start, you're, you've got a starting position. You got to run through these obstacles, uh, like lakes and mountains and forests and, and jungles. And then you got to end up at the temple first. And it also uses deck building. Uh, but it's, it's just a lot lighter, but really satisfying because, you know, the, the goal is very clear. Just get to the end. And is really visceral and, and quite attractive as well. So I recommend that one if you like this theme, uh, but want a game that's a little bit uh, lighter or a little bit more family friendly. Yeah, I've not actually played that one. It's been on my list for quite a while, though. Shut Up and Sit Down, I think, did a quite a positive review on it a year or two ago, and it's been high on my playlist since. It's, uh, it looks like a really nicely elegant system with, with the, the way you're playing the cards to move. It's a nice game. I own a physical copy and I play it with my kids. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll teach it to you sometime. Excellent. Love that. <laughs> One other game I had in mind that mixes those two games in, in the, the hybrid sense is Endless Winter, which hasn't actually come out yet, but there was a, a, TT, a, sorry, a tabletop simulator uh, implementation online when it was on Kickstarter. So I played a round of that and uh, enjoyed it quite enough to go all in on the Kickstarter. So that is, uh, what that's worth. So it's let's focus on the worker placement side of it. Uh, there, but where you are placing workers, it's to interact with a, uh, several basically mini games across the board. So there's several mini games spread around. One is uh, very basic area control. One is very basic set collection and there's three or four of those around and you spread and you're spending your workers to decide which of those mini games you're going to participate in uh and i thought that was quite a more innovative way of combining the mechanics so i i really enjoyed that one and that, that that being a um stone age caveman theme with a really cool art by the miko i think it's what he's called uh so that one looks really cool nice well i look forward to you uh telling us a bit more about that when it comes out and I'm going to mention one really quick game, which I absolutely love that I just happened to play recently, uh, been playing for a while. Uh, it's called Lost Cities, another Reiner Knizia, another <laughs> game in the theme of artifact hunting, uh, but it couldn't be any more lighter in terms of components. It's just a card game. The cards just have numbers on and colors on them, and, but it's such a deviously tight two-player game. My wife and I have played it a ton, you know, three times a night, uh, some nights we've taken it on vacations. And I just played it recently uh, on Board Game Arena with a, uh, a, a friend of mine from um, game design uh, clubs. Uh, he and I played it and we we're just marveling at it, just back and forth. I hadn't played it in a while and just it's such a deliciously simple, elegant game. Just as a game, buy that. <laughs> if you don't have it, buy it. <laughs> I didn't know that was on uh, Board Game Arena. We'll have to try that sometime. I've only played it, it once, is. like a decade ago. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it just it holds up. So Excellent. definitely play that uh, if you just want a, a nice game that keeps on giving. Excellent. Awesome. Well, I think we we covered the ground pretty well there. Um, we should probably talk now about our next game, right? 
Yes, yeah. So I think uh, for the next episode, we're going to look, look at the other side of the Omnigamer coin uh, to our first video game. Uh, we looked through our list. We came up with some candidates, and I think we picked uh, a game that's going to fit us pretty well. It's Dragon Quest Builders 2, which happens to be currently on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, so you can uh, start playing now yourself and uh, have your own thoughts for when we cover it in a couple of weeks. Like we talked about for Arnak, it's a game that both of us have played recently. I don't think either of us have beat, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll save save the impressions (laughs) for next episode. Yeah, I, I just started playing it a couple of days ago and have been playing a lot of it, <laughs> so, for what it's worth. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about that. Nice, nice. Maybe I'll have to boot it up again, I just refresh myself. But, yeah, anyone out there listening can also check it out. It's on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I think it's on PC and other consoles as well. Yeah, so, yeah. and cross-play, I've just realized, which means you can... Uh, sorry, cross-save, so you can pass your save from the PC to the Xbox and back and forth. Oh, brilliant. We're, I'm, I know we're going to annoy people with how we're going to extol the virtues of Game Pass uh, <laughs> starting next episode. Well, we're both, we're both uh, fathers of, of young kids, uh, so accessibility, <laughs> so t- t- time and money aren't our, uh, aren't our favor anymore, so the, the ease of use and accessibility of Game Pass is a, a big boon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right on. Well, I think uh, we talked a lot. I'm glad we got to talk about a, a board game that we've been playing, and I'm excited to talk about a video game next time. Absolutely. All right. Well, for the Omni Gamers Club, I've been one of your hosts, Mark Uasa. And I'm Daniel Winter. Yeah. Um, talk to you <laughs> next time. Bye. <laughs>